Welcome to the future. It's the end of work as we know it. Technology has made work awesome, and the happiness quotient of every worker is at an all-time high. In this podcast, we unbox opinions and sentiments of thought leaders who help draw a virtual blueprint of what the future of work will look like, where AI and humans complement each other. Here's your host, VJ, welcoming you to the Unboxing Future of Work podcast. Hello, all of you. Um, today, I have Emma Roloff with me in our uh, Unboxing Future of Work uh, podcast. Emma, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. We are looking forward to having a very engaging dialogue with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks very much. Uh, so Emma, we are talking to uh, leaders like you who are really championing uh, digital transformation, future of work and enterprise, and with, the, with the, you know, keeping the people in the center. I have some interesting questions lined up for you, some fun stuff. Uh, in the next uh, 15 minutes or so, you can just give a one-minute um, introduction about you, what, how you got here, what are some of your passions and habits? Yeah, so I am a sales executive with an organization called Navient, and we help our customers manage their information and their processes across the organization more efficiently. So really looking at things um, from the beginning of how your content is getting into the organization, potentially using intelligent processing to bring that in, um, then looking at how those processes function with tools like workflow, case management, kind of traditional BPM, to the spectrum of customer communication management and records management, and how are you being compliant with all the information and processes that you have. Um, On the personal side, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old who keep us very, very busy at home and make life a a joy. Yeah, and so that's that's me in a nutshell. So I'm actually right now hiding in my dungeon to take this. (laughs) Uh, Why I'm closing the door and why I'm not letting him in. Oh yeah, I've been there. (laughs) I had a a, a meeting earlier this year where our five-year-old daughter, um, actually about a year ago at her four-year-old birthday, got a Spider-Man costume and broke in on the back of a video call that I had to show me that it had come in the mail. So we've definitely had our fair share of that during the pandemic as well. That's fun. That's fun. So Emma, um, yeah, thanks for the introduction. And uh, I know your favorite topic is uh, change management and keeping human-centric you know, uh, transformation. In that sense, uh, what are the key drivers that you think are you know, redefining the future of work, right? Especially keeping digital transformation. What do you think is changing the paradigm and, you know, and what do you see future uh, you know, will be looking like in, in the future of work? Yeah, so I think we're in a really unique position today where the technologies that are available, I mean, it's only going to continue to get better, but we're at a point where we have more tools at our disposal than ever before. Um, But as you said, I am very passionate about change management being coupled with these technologies, because even if you have the best technology at your disposal, if you don't have adoption from the people that are involved in the process or the right kind of change management processes operating in the background, you're really not going to be successful with that tool. Um, And so, you know, I 
it's not certainly not my saying, but it is something that I repeat almost <laughs> on a daily basis. Is this idea of making sure that your people are involved in the pro- are involved, that you're looking at the process end to end, and then bringing in the technology. And of course, before you bring in the technology, you need to make sure that your tools have the right abilities. To, to solve your problem. Um, but you really shouldn't be leading with that technology because if you've chosen the right tool, the capabilities are going to be there. And it should really be driven by the people that are working in that process and then that the process itself and making sure that you're taking friction out of that. Um, so that, you know, from my perspective, that is the secret sauce to success. Because again, even if you have that most powerful tool, if no one's using it, it doesn't matter. If they can't right. figure out if they haven't been trained, they're going to find workarounds and they're not going to use it and it's not going to be a successful implementation. And we've all heard those horror stories of companies spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on something and then having it die on the vine because there wasn't the adoption that was necessary to make it successful. You're absolutely right, that we are seeing the change in the um, digital transformation side, especially. There's a lot more user-centric, I would say empathy. It could be one of the keywords. Uh, where you know you think about users, you think about how their experiences would be in terms of using this technology, what kind of support assistance that they will need, you know, in adopting the technology. Obviously, there's a lot of debate about AI, RPA, automation coming in, and then um, you know uh, coming in and actually taking jobs and all. So when you put a debate between the way that we see at TechForce AI is, uh, you know, it's it's about augmentation than automation. So what's your view about augmentation versus automation of technology? What do you think is the right mindset that we need to educate the users, educate the stakeholders about? Yeah. So from my perspective, my job, and I hope everybody that's in this industry has the same thought process, is to make the life of my customers' employees better and to make the user experience and the life as they're engaging with these brands better because of the use of this technology. So again, from my perspective, the people are at the center of that. And to your point, that means that the user experience, whether it's your employees or your customers, is essential to your success. And that's really the goal of digital transformation to me is increasing or is improving your user experience on the employee side and the customer side. So when I start to look at the idea of automation versus augmentation and kind of which is going to win out, I truly do believe that there are some pieces and maybe 25 years from now, I'll be eating my words, but I truly believe that there are processes and things that technology will never be able to replicate for us. And um, I, there will be some things that can be completely automated and operate autonomously without humans interacting with it the same way we do today. But that doesn't mean that there won't be humans servicing those processes in the background. That doesn't mean that there won't be new and different jobs created by this this happening. And to me, that's a sense of augmentation because it's changing the way that we work. I I was listening to a a clubhouse conversation about AI a couple of weeks ago, and they made a really interesting point that the idea of a barista in a coffee shop was automated 
decades ago. We all have, I mean, I have a coffee machine in my house. You can get a Keurig, you can get an espresso maker. You can do all of that. But I still, for some reason, multiple times a week, (laughs) go to a coffee shop to pick up my coffee and talk to the person that's there. And they know me and they know my kids and they know the treats that they like when they come with me on the weekend. And there is something so innately human about that, that it's never going to be completely automated out. And that's the same thing when you look at like, customer service or even on the sales side, there are bits and pieces of sales that are being automated out. And there's certainly parts of my job that I'd be happy to hand off to a bot or some sort of automation. (laughs) But there's also pieces of trust and empathy and that type of thing where I just truly don't believe we're at the point where that's going to go away anytime soon. Um, And so to me, that that idea of which wins out augmentation versus automation. I I do genuinely believe augmentation is the way that we're going to go. And whenever I have this conversation, I have like this little vision of a robot and a human holding hands. (laughs) And I I like to think about that when I think about this question, because I really do believe that the moving forward is going to be finding new ways to be productive and finding new ways to invent and create, because I think that's innately human. We're just going to have different ways of doing it soon. Exactly. And when we started Tech Force AI, the idea was augmentation equal to assistance plus automation. They're actually not versus. Augmentation can be automation because you, as you rightly said, you know, you can delegate some work to your, your assistant, which actually does the work for you. It does not mean the complete automation. Uh, in some of the things, it might just assist you to do that. Uh, you know, it can engage with you. It can answer some questions. It can give you the knowledge that you need to perform your job uh, in, a, in a natural language. Uh, so that's how we always believe that, you know, assistance plus automation is equal to augmentation because that's much more powerful. So don't just automate, but augment in the thought process. Uh, and they're not versus. Automation is one of the pillars in the augmentation. You know, how do you augment your employees with uh, technology? So that's great. And, and you mentioned about, uh, you know, every department getting into this mindset, like, you know, you talked about the salespeople, customer service teams, and HR, and Gartner uh, famously calls it as TX and EX as two pillars into one new technology trend that they're calling as TX, total experience. So you got, you know, they can't, you can't just separate customer experience and employee experience uh, anymore. Uh, that was the trend viewers, but right now, if you don't bring together, if you don't take care of your employees, if you don't build processes with empathy and enablement for your employees, that's not that sometimes, you know, it's definitely going to touch your customer experience processes and, and it, it will reflect. Uh, and that's why I think uh, total experience is the new way to look at the whole paradigm and build, you know, make sure that, you know, you, do, you cater to both the stakeholders. Uh, with that thinking, you know, it, how hard it, is it to do for, for enterprises, right? So, EX and EX, if you're bringing, you have multiple stakeholders, multiple leadership pillars. Like, you know, you have a CFO organization, you have a CIO organization to enable centrally, and then you have EMO, and then, you know, you have the back office COO, and then, you know, many other uh, CXOs in an organization. And if you are to bring all these guys together, who do you think is the right champion? I would not say, I know, you know, it's hard to call out who can champion this. But what do you, who do you think should take the driver and driving seat and in putting this together? You know, hey, um, you know, we have to do it together. We have to bring this CX and DX and enable, make sure that we augment uh, everyone. Who could be one or two CX so that you could think of? And I don't, I, I, to your point, I don't know if there is a catch-all title that works in every organization 
of who needs to lead this and champion it. Because my initial inclination is to say it needs to come from the CEO from a cultural perspective and to show that it is an organizational directive. But it doesn't do you any good for the CEO to say, we are digitally transforming if nobody down the next level in, you know, overseeing these departments that are reporting up to the CEO believe in that vision. And so to me, when you truly look at a transformed organization, it has kind of this ripple effect down to everybody. And that's really why I believe that change management is that that path to success within an organization going through a transformation. Because I would love to say it could stop from the bottom or start from the bottom and make its way up and have that be a super, super successful approach because your, your end users are saying we need this. But I've run into enough organizations where they don't have buy-in at the top and that's where the budget comes from. Um, and But then on the flip side, I've run into organizations where the leadership wants to change but they have too much resistance at the bottom to make it happen. And so that's really where I think that the, the path to least resistance going through a transformation is having your leadership team across the board understand that this is a imperative strategy that the organization needs. And then a culture of innovation and a culture of autonomy within an organization that then allows for new ideas and flexibility and the opportunity to pivot, we won't say fail, but the opportunity to try new things and see what works is really like the organizations to me that have the most success in terms of working within this new paradigm. And um, so again, starting at the top with that cultural belief, and then really making sure that you're managing that expectation throughout all the levels of the organization, and giving people the opportunity to be involved in the process and ask questions and be honest and communicate about how your project implementations are going, where you're running into challenges, what the success of the program will mean to every individual within the organization. And that is, again, so I don't, I don't think that there's if you had one person that was in charge of this and spearheaded this, I don't know if you'd be successful. I think it has to be something that is kind of a nate to the core of the organization. Absolutely. And and, and as you rightly said, uh, culture eats uh, strategy for breakfast. Uh, It won't happen. You cannot just say, you know, I want to do digital transformation. I want to transform my CFO organization. I want to transform my customer service. It would just don't happen unless you really bring people together and say, this is why, this is how, this is what we will be doing. And, uh, you know, and, and we'll make sure that everything is going to be fine. You know, it's a change, but it's, everything is going to be fine and we'll go through it together. I think, I think well, that's and, where every leader is important. And one other thing too, to add is, you know, if you had one leader, I know I've, uh, you know, I've heard HR, I've heard finance, and I don't disagree that those departments and those leaders need to be full-heartedly in this. But one of the things that I have seen and one of the challenges I continue to hear companies talk about is how difficult it is to prioritize and scale automation. And if you're managing it on a departmental level, even if you have the most inspirational forward-thinking leader in front of your organization or in front of your department, 
if you transform everything in one silo of your company and everyone else is still outdated, that's affecting your department and that's affecting your innovation and your ability to transform. And so even, you know, you can, unless it is across the board within the organization, you're not going to have that full cultural shift to really reach that like nirvana level of transformed. Exactly. And we're just talking about the total experience, you know, processes cut across departments, right? And we can build silos, we can build, you know, these structures, but if you just do one part of the transformation and rest of them are becoming the bottleneck, then, you, you know, you're not going to make the experience better for either employees or the customers. So, yeah, absolutely. I think, as you said, it could be every leader driving top down and also making sure the bottom, from the bottom, everybody's connected and, you know, very transparently communicated about the change. And uh, now the fun stuff. Right, let's get to some quick questions. Your favorite book? Okay. Oh, my favorite book. Um, Special place. (laughs) Special place in my heart is probably the second Harry Potter book. The whole series. um, I'm like really staging myself as a millennial, but I was never a reader. And I watched the first movie. My parents told me if I wanted to go see the second movie, I had to start reading the books. And from that point, I read it in one night, which was unheard of for me at that point. And I have not stopped reading since. And so that to me is like this little special place in my heart is for that series. Which one is it? Is it Azkaban or which one is that? The second one? Uh, Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your favorite mobile app. Um, I think my Kindle app is where I spend most of my time going back to the idea that I I read a lot. Um, And now that Kindle is kind of linked up with Audible, I can listen to books while I'm driving or walking and read when I've got the time to kind of sit down and dig in. So I think if you looked at my screen time, that's where it's mostly spent. Okay, now that that's fun. Uh, Favorite boss who have been you worked with so far? I, everyone's going to think I'm sucking up with this answer, but it's probably my current supervisor. His name is Mark Miller. Um, I've worked with him now for about seven years, I think. Yeah, coming up on seven years. Um, and we think about the world both very similarly and very differently. So um, it's a, a nice balance where we can challenge one another when we need to um, talk through problems, but then we also really understand one another now. Oh, that's awesome. And having a favorite boss in current job is awesome. Because as you know, a lot of people quit job because not of the company, because of the boss. So having a great boss and manager who is actually a mentor and also a colleague is, is a great to great to have, lucky you. Um, we are done with the round and you did amazingly well, very diplomatically well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just want to take one, you know, you've been a champion of, uh, you know, change management, if I remember uh, you know, uh, our earlier conversations, you, you know, you talked about you came from a teaching background, right? And, yes. uh, and you know, it's a very unique skill set. I would say one of the greatest soft skills that anybody can have in digital, in digital or technology industry. Um, and, you know, with that, how do you suggest the future of work and especially the kids that are joining uh, the workplace, uh, which is a little bit crazy or hybrid, we can call it anything right now, good, bad, there are so many things going on. But what do you suggest, uh, you know, key advice to the kids, how, you know, how do you navigate their career to, to be succeed, to getting, you know, be more successful in what they do? Yeah, there's probably two main things that I would point out. And one is um, 
try new things and, and challenge yourself because every single time that I have made a move that put me securely outside of my comfort zone, I can now reflect back and say like, yeah, that was definitely the right choice to make. Um, or I learned something from making that choice, even if it wasn't the right one. Um, so you mentioned I was a teacher. I made a move from teaching to the, kind of the, the corporate world and then the move from the corporate world into technology sales. And both of those leaps felt very big to me at the time and very intimidating, um, but they were 100% the right choice for me to make. Um, on the flip side, you know, recently in the last year or so, kind of stepping outside of my comfort zone and starting the video series and trying something new and experimenting with how do I help people understand what I'm passionate about and educate people to get them on board with my master plan of change management. Um, <laughs> and I have really, really enjoyed the opportunity that I've had to make connections with people like you, have really interesting and engaging conversations about something that, you know, quite frankly, in my personal life, not everybody's as big of a, a digital transformation uh, fan as I am. So being able to connect with like-minded people from around the world, that's been such a blessing for me. Um, the other piece that I would say, and this actually comes from a conversation that I had recently with one of our employees who just graduated from college and has made her way into our organization. And it was this idea of um, having crucial and difficult conversations. And this idea when you're first starting out your career that they're comfortable or you get good at them and you don't get <laughs> uncomfortable in your position as you get older. Um, everybody has things within their position that they struggle with and everybody has areas for improvement. And just because you're starting out your career doesn't mean that that's any different than anybody that's been there for 10 or 15 years. Um, so now that I've reached the point where I've been here for 10 years, I can securely say that there are times where I'm uncomfortable or there's things that I have to prep myself for and get ready for. Um, and it's kind of that idea of the imposter syndrome. When you're starting, you feel that a lot, but that's no different than anybody else. And so just learning to challenge yourself and kind of push through that, I think is going to be the, the biggest piece to finding kind of your groove and what works for you. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, and these are very, very uh, insightful advice. I mean, people don't talk about this. People say learn a new technology, you know, you know, find learn AI, learn that, learn this, you know, that, that's all good. I mean, that, be, that gives you a career. I mean, I'm not denying the tech won't give you a career, but I think these soft skills have the foundation. And if you start challenging yourself, you start being uncomfortable, if you're okay with being uncomfortable frequently and then learning something new, uh, that will set you into a complete, uh, you know, it's a future, you know, future work skill, I would say. A tech can change, right? Tomorrow, today is one technology can become yesterday, you know, legacy. You know, we went through CRMs, BPMs being the hottest of the technologies and people now, you know, consider them as legacy yeah. technologies, right? <laughs> so, I mean, exactly. uh, great, great to have that. And, uh, we all look forward to having a masterclass and change management from you. You should do that. Uh, you know, I say. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you. Maybe, you know, maybe that'll be the next yeah, challenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing a masterclass and change management because it's a very, very niche and uh, yeah, very important topic. And don't be, a lot of people don't get it. And people don't even understand what change management is. It, it takes time for them to understand. So that would be really something that we look forward from you. With that, we'll sign off, uh, Emma. Thanks very much. It was great having you uh, and with all the great conversations that we had. Well, thank you for having me and I appreciate the opportunity to, to share my thoughts. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unboxing Future of Work. And we hope you will join us again for the next episode.